You are listening to Friday's Jazz, where we talk about Japanese jazz music and stories behind them. The hero of today's episode is Toshiko Akiyoshi. Throughout her music career, Akiyoshi has received 14 Grammy Award nominations and was the first woman to win Best Arranger and Composer awards in Downbeat. Born in 1929, Japanese colonial ruled Manchuria. Akiyoshi Toshiko learned to play piano when she was only seven. After World War II, 16-year-old Akiyoshi came back to Japan with her family. When they first came back, her parents lost every asset and could not provide a piano for her. I wanted to play piano, so I got a job in Beirut City in a dance hall. Says Akiyoshi. The occupation brought in many American soldiers, and the dance hall was there for their entertainment. Her father obviously wasn't so happy about the job, as the social norm for a girl back then was to go to school, then stay home until they get married. Her mom, on the other hand, was very supportive because she understood just how much Akiyoshi loved piano. The concept of jazz music in Japan in the 40s was very vague. The only purpose of jazz existed back then was for people to drink, dance, and repeat from dusk till dawn. You can even argue that it is gentrified and departs away from its African American origin. Playing dance music for the troops every night slowly is grinding out her mojo. Until one day, that was a few months into her job, a man who was a jazz collector came to her and said, "I've been watching you play the piano, and I think you have the talent to become a jazz player. I think you should listen to jazz records." That was the first time Akiyoshi was exposed to real jazz music, such as Sweet Lorraine from Teddy Wilson. In a recent interview, she remembered, "He played for me." One of the Ted Wilson's record. As a matter of fact, he gave it to me several years ago. I have it here. Anyway, then I heard Ted Wilson, which was about 1947. I just wanted to play like that. That was the beginning, and one thing led to another, and here I am. Akiyoshi moved to Tokyo for a better opportunity for her jazz dream. She was a regular at a local jazz cafe. And was immersed in the latest imported jazz records that are from the U.S. She tried to replicate their music in the clubs for a local audience, but apparently it was too much novelty for them. In fact, they hated it. They hated it so much, Akiyoshi was fired from her job. Frustrated, she formed her own band with other progressive jazz musicians. Such as Watanabe Sadayo. There weren't any money in it, but that didn't matter. The joy of performing the kind of music he wanted to play was more important. Two years later, in 1953, it was the first turning point of her career. The top musicians from America were going on tour in Japan. Akiyoshi's band was playing at Nishin Ginza, the newly opened jazz cafe. In one of the nights, Oscar Peterson 
came by and heard her play. This led to his recommendation to Norman Granz, which led to her first recording, Toshiko's Piano. And the record led to a full scholarship at Berklee College of Music. The album came out in the States in 1954, says Akiyoshi. At the time, the mere fact of a Japanese person playing jazz was unusual. Never mind a Japanese girl. Her experience of being an Asian musician in North America back then wasn't easy. It was never easy being an Asian. But World War II just made it even tougher. Just roughly 10 years before her arrival in the US, on February 19, 1942, the US president at the time signed the Executive Order 1966, which relocated over 1,100,000 Japanese Americans into internment camps. Similar tragedy happened in Canada too, where 22,000 Japanese Canadians in British Columbia were forcibly relocated in the name of national security. This policy then became the main reason of the lack of Japantown in Canada. When talking about Asian musician experience in the US, Akiyoshi said, In Japan, there were black musicians who I learned from. Then I came to this country, and of course, here it's a very difficult place, you know. I'm surprised I even survived at all. In New York, I had a very difficult time mentally. It was economically difficult, but that was understood. Mentally, I was really out. And it was the people over there in Japan who kept encouraging me. And there were always black musicians. I never got any kind of encouragement from white musicians. It's a coincidence, maybe? Some people who encouraged me were Charlie Mingus, Bob Powell, and John Lewis, who were the first person who really pushed us. I brought a cassette to Mingus, and he's the one responsible for getting us the Montrex Jazz Festival, and that was the first biggie for us. When talking about experience as a Japanese artist in the US, she said, I think it's the same thing in Europe. You're basically the product of your surroundings. That's why I always wanted to play with the best players. That's how I felt when I was younger. Here, it's a different environment. In Japan, if you are a little bit good, you get noticed. Here, a lot of times, good players never get noticed by most people. Getting a job here is different. It's very aggressive. And because it's so aggressive, you just can't sleep when something new comes out. You play and play and play, and you are stimulated by others. That's not quite the case in Japan. Facing all the obstacles and not able to make a name and bring anything uniquely interesting to the jazz world, Akiyoshi was considering quitting music altogether. The death of Duke Ellington in 1974 was a shock for her. 
and he woke her up. When Duke died, I read that he was very conscious of his race, and I thought that maybe that was my role to portray my heritage within jazz, to utilize both. That was probably my most important discovery. This was when she started to tell stories of her own with jazz. In the same year, she published her first well-received piece, Kogun, or Long Army. It depicts a Japanese army officer living in Burmese jungle, unaware that World War II had ended. It started with Japanese traditional gagaku-style folk music. To set the mood and slowly introduce more instruments for a smooth transition into jazz. Then two years later, she wrote her own favorite piece, "Long Yellow Road," which tells her own bittersweet journey as a female Asian musician in the U.S. And that's the piece she would perform at the end of every concert. Sources of today's story are the art of becoming a jazz musician, an interview with Toshiko Akiyoshi by Stephen Moore, a fireside chat with Toshiko Akiyoshi by Fred Jong, a mosaic of music, jazz pianist, composer, and arranger. Check out my personal website fredishjazu.ca for music playlists inspired by today's story and our upcoming series toward the jazz toward the Japan. Where we'll talk about the stories behind local Japanese jazz bars from north to south, starting from Hokkaido. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. Thank、you